0: All right, let's do this. Peanut, if you're staying in the room, no talking. Hello, and welcome to the Photo Work Podcast, the talking, touchy feely version of my book, Photo Work 40 Photographers on Process and Practice. Hi, everyone, I'm Sasha Wolf. And jokeless today, but joined as usual by my friend and producer, the one and only Michael Chovin Dalton. Hello, Michael.
1: Hi, jokeless, not humorless, just not, no not joke
0: humorless, today. but
1: just, <laughs> just.
0: I mean, one might say, "Wait, <laughs> she makes jokes because maybe they're just." <laughs>
1: right? There are people they're scratching their heads, going, "What?"
0: <laughs> exactly. What's she talking about? <laughs> right. mm. Oh man. Well, the show today is you know longer on the longer side, so we decided mm-hmm. to sort of try and get to it. And we will talk for a second about the show. But before I do, I, I just want to mention that uh, the Aperture Portfolio Prize is sort of open now for submissions. It, it has been for a number of weeks, but the deadline is January 7th. Mm. So when this airs, that'll give, give people a few weeks yet if they don't know about it get it together get it together yeah. people
1: <laughs> it's a busy um, time of year get yeah. it together
0: <laughs> so that's pretty exciting
1: mm-hmm.
0: so the show today is a conversation with the filmmaker uh, writer director Craig Zobel and genius, Sorry, genius. <laughs> <laughs> yes I concur so you know I tell the story in in the body of the podcast so I won't get too into it here, but basically, Craig di- directed many things and many things that I really love. But the sort of impetus for having him on the podcast is that he directed all episodes of the television show Mare of East Town, which I was obsessed with. And mm-hmm. so I really. Wanted to talk to the director about the show and got my wish. And so yeah.
1: it is, it's like it is, it was like a wish.
0: <laughs> Santa, you blew out a candle. Dear and Craig Santa, showed up. <laughs> I know I'm Jewish, but let's negotiate. Um, <laughs> he was so wonderful to do this. And look, I really, you know, I tried to stick to, as you know, questions that are pretty much you know, sort of centered around visual language. I didn't get into, you know, narrative stuff so much or storytelling as far as screenwriting or the the actual scripts for the show. So I tried to be mindful of who our audience is and connect talking to Craig, to you guys out there in podcast land who are listening. And I, I really hope that you enjoyed. I think if you watched Mayor of Easttown, it was a monster hit. So I think a lot of you probably... Mm-hmm did then you will enjoy this episode and if you didn't go watch it it's it's really that
1: good and you were pretty careful about spoilers too
0: oh yeah no absolutely absolutely
1: so you could still listen and because you do you have actually a very lovely conversation about the idea of you know sort of those visual strategies and directing strategies and yeah uh, I think you know that that is something you don't need to have watched the episode uh the show for but but yes, uh, everyone should just go watch it. Yeah, just go watch
0: it. Uh, it's on HBO. Because um, it's amazing. Starring yeah. Kate Winslet and Jean Smart. and Gene um, Smart. Yeah, she's amazing. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah could have an yes. author to Gene Smart. Okay, so let's just get to it. Michael, if you don't mind,
1: please take it away. My pleasure. And here is your conversation with Craig Zobel.
0: Craig Zobel, welcome to the Photo Work Podcast. Thanks for doing
2: this. Thanks for having me, Sasha.
0: I I didn't exactly stalk you, but I I, I was after you for many months. <laughs> and so I'm grateful that you you made the time. So as we always do, um, let's begin, if you don't mind, um, with a little uh, bio and just, just tell folks um, how you got to where you are today.
2: So I, you know, now I uh, direct film and tv I started uh I went to film school uh, a million years ago and after film school I actually started uh not as a director but um as a uh as a production manager um or pr- production it's sort of like working through the the kind of business end of things just because I was fascinated in that I was fascinated in producing and like the like sort of how to how to creatively produce, which is to say like how to like say like, oh, we only have these resources, but how do we like make something cool and tell a cool story with that? And it was a and it was a job that like people needed somebody who was interested in doing that. It's like it's like, you know, how they say there's always there's always room for more drummers in the world because like there's never enough drummers for all the bands that need them. <laughs> it, it, it's a little bit that being a production manager a little bit falls into that kind of category. So, I, I did I did that for, for a while um, mostly with David Gordon Green, the filmmaker who I'd known since uh, college. I went to school with him. He's one of my closest buddies. And um, we worked together on a bunch of things and then and I was living actually in the south. I'm from Atlanta. Uh, which is where I am now. But I, I uh, went to school in North Carolina, North Carolina School of the Arts with uh, with David Green and, and Danny McBride and a bunch of other uh, guys that kind of came out from the same time period. And um, we worked, you know, together down there a bunch. And at some point, I decided to move to New York, just to have more access. And I didn't have the ability to really kind of transfer the exact job that i had been doing in the in the south which is you know there's just a lot less where there used to be a lot less production uh down in the south uh than there was in in new york city and so when i moved to new york i basically kind of had to reevaluate like you know i essentially couldn't do these production management jobs because they're like do you know how to deal with like the teamsters you know in long island and i would Mm -hmm. just be like you know no, <laughs> I do not. Um, so th- people kind of advise me like, oh, you have a transferable skill, which is like becoming an assistant director. And and I should say this whole time, I still had aspirations to make a movie one day, but uh, and was writing, you know, in my spare time. But I started working as a as an assistant director, which is essentially if like being a production manager means kind of booking all the equipment and making sure the is there and making sure that, you know the art department has the stuff they need and things like that. The cue, the um, extras. Every, yeah. <laughs> the, like basically to every, everything, you know, yeah. like, like, that's like, kind of like the, the supply manager in a sense, if yeah. you think of it in like an army way, like the, the job that an assistant director is truly is the humans. Yeah. It's just like, it's like the humans and the time it's like how to, how to schedule it all. And so I started doing that and, and did find the. I had an aptitude for it and was like it it was again it was like I got to learn all of the problems of all of the departments on set which was really I feel like really educational Mm -hmm. Um, for me you know I got to like be like oh the reason that the you know wardrobe department freaks out when we like do this thing is because they actually have to go iron a whole different thing and you know it's like you kind of learn how like all of the sausages all the different brands of sausage Mm -hmm. get made. (laughs) So, uh, so I did, I did that for a while until, until I finally like, you know, kind of was at a turning point where I had to decide whether or not I wanted to be an assistant director for a living, which is, you know, it it really to do that well takes years and years and years or try to like direct something. and, And I, and I scraped together. I had, I had also worked, uh, me and my, my two closest friends from Atlanta had made this website called Homestar Runner a few years before that had really kind of taken off and had at the time had like you know we were basically just selling t-shirts off of that website and um when i had chosen to go to new york and 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 pursue like live action and non-animation stuff i basically like those guys kept going and it it became popular enough that the t-shirts were like selling you know enough that um i took the the amount that kind of like I got from that and and used that to basically self finance doing uh my first film great world of sound and so that's and since then i've you know been a writer and a director in in movies and t v but that's kind of the the background
0: so you know I really wanted to talk to you because what happened was i watched uh, the first episode of Mare of Easttown on HBO, and then watched the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh, all within, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, two or three days. It might not even have been that much. I basically, you know, it was a binge thing. And to me, Mare is a movie that's seven hours long. And I just, it really blew my mind. I, I don't, I just want to be really clear here about the just level of the sincerity in in which I'm saying this because people know me to be probably pretty enthusiastic. I'm an enthusiastic person. But I thought Mera was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. And I was super aware in a good way of the directing. And this is literally what happened. I was out to dinner with my friend and artist, Christine Potter, and I think I had just finished it. And it's like sort of all I wanted to talk about. So I brought it up. Oh, my God, my head was spinning with this show that I just seen. And I couldn't believe how brilliant it was. And Christine (laughs) said, Oh, that's my friend directed that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I said, Well, I mean, it was almost like I, I didn't I couldn't quite believe what she was saying because I was was so (laughs) filled with it. yeah, right. (laughs) And she said, yeah, Craig's a really good friend of mine. And I said, please introduce us, which she did. And so I'm really, I'm, I'm so excited to have this opportunity to talk to you about this show. I do also want to just talk a little bit about some of your other work, because then I, first of all, I realized that you had directed a bunch of things that I'd already seen. I didn't realize. Movie-wise, I had seen Z for Zachariah, which you did in Mm -hmm. 2015, a wonderful film. But you had also directed a few episodes of one of my other favorite television shows of all time, The Leftovers. Uh And... you. You had directed the episode International Assassin, which I consider one of the best episodes of television ever made. So, I basically am sort of just madly in love with you is, I think, what's what's (laughs) happening. Um, So... It's all This just... is incredible, <laughs>
2: Sasha. I'm just going to call you whenever I need a boost. Yes, it's do. Really...
0: I, it, 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 I so would love v- to that Thank you very much role.
2: for saying all of that.
0: <laughs> no, it's so true. I mean, anyway, it's just been an amazing experience sort of, you know, learning all about you as far, you know, through your work. I will say one thing that's really interesting and sort of, I don't know about hard to put together, but for sure... Your early films, so Great, Great World of Sound, which you did, I think, in 2007, and Compliance in 2012, two films that you wrote and directed, are both, they're really tough. And mm. they are extremely emotional, but not emotional in the way that Mayor of Easttown is. And I know you didn't write uh, Mare so you know there's two there are different voices there but it is striking in a way and you know i wonder if you know when you when you do something like Town, where you're working with a writer is it i don't know how to ask this but are you aware of what i just sort of mentioned that, that tonally that they yeah, are very I different i think
2: probably I think I would probably attribute some of that to age though. Yes, like yeah. more than to, to like it being like one authorial voice or another. I mean, yeah. Gary Riddle sound was like you said, 2007. It was a long time ago, yeah, now. <laughs> which is weird to say, but it's, it, it is, you know, and compliance, you know, it's like they were also kind of born out of different head spaces, I think in a way, you know, um, compliance was an art project uh, and uh, just to give some context to anybody who maybe hasn't seen it like it's a it is a tough movie to watch it was uh based on a a true story about a an event that happened at a um fast food restaurant mm-hmm. in uh in kentucky but also like 70 different places actually across the united states where this person called Saying they were the police officer and sort of made the employees of the store do strange things under the guise of like the authorities and the police were Mm -hmm. you know calling and telling them to do it. And I had been, I was really taken with that story. Yeah, it's because I I thought it was so crazy. Yeah, but I didn't. I I wasn't actually trying to get that movie made necessarily. I was actually I had written this other story that took place in uh, in West Virginia and was kind of all about all about West Virginia that I was it was like a kind of a crime story that took place in West Virginia and I was I was actually trying to like raise money for that and you know somebody read it and said this writing is really strong but I don't think we want to do that West Virginia thing but we like the idea of a thriller like do you have anything else and I just kind of like was like well I I've been playing around with this idea and mentioned mentioned compliance and um this guy tyler davidson who's the producer on compliance and he was like you know that sounds amazing i'm 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 in like we want to do that and if i hadn't had somebody at that time say like i'd be interested in making that i'm not sure that that would have happened because it is interesting it's a challenging movie yeah you know but it was supposed to be i mean it was like I was also in kind of a like you know, not the greatest place in my life. I was like struggling kind of with a bit of a, you know, existential crisis, of meaning of some sort. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So like I was thinking about all that stuff, you know, and, and, and it, it was able to exist kind of by virtue of the fact that it was like, oh, I better do this right now or it won't ever get made, which I think has something to do with the, the tenor of that. It was, the goal was not to like, Be an audience-friendly unit shifter as much as it was to ask a bunch of questions, you know.
0: Well, it's a really great movie. I mean, I think it's it's incredibly well done. It is. It's really tough. It was. It was tough. I mean, you have the amazing Anne Dowd, which I think is wonderful because, of course, then you work with Anne Dowd again. I wanted to just call her Anne as if we were friends. (laughs) My friend Anne. (laughs) But, <laughs> she would be like,
2: hey, love, of course, I'll just call me in.
0: <laughs> she is such a genius. And you worked with her again on The Leftovers. So that's that's pretty wonderful. But I was, of course, I don't want to get too into this, but I, I can't help just mentioning that, you know, what what was really interesting to me also is how great world of sound and compliance are both about authority, mm, really. Yeah. And, and Mare, even though, again, you didn't write Mare, has a lot of I, – I, I really think authority – you know, plays a part in a lot of the stories you're telling, which is just something that really struck me.
2: Um, yeah, that's actually an interesting observation. I mean, i I have to say that like I get it's hard for me, I always feel like I'm like, well, this one's not like any of the other ones. <laughs> And then somebody points out like, no, it's like in that way or, you know what I mean? so like, I, I, I don't know that I, I certainly don't operate from a place where I like start looking for things to all be the same. Um, if anything, I'm like trying to like do something different, but then it turns out to like have some observable connection or something. But I I, I mean, maybe, I don't know. Maybe other people wouldn't say that. One thing that like another person who actually interviewed me once said that Has kind of stuck with me as being like, yeah, I guess that's a good kind of way to put it is, is that they were sort of observing the like a lot of the things that I seem to like want to talk about have to do with people like rationalizing doing something bad, Mm -hmm. which I guess is that sounded right. I was like, yeah, I guess that's true. Like all of them do have like, you know, it's like people trying to kind of tell themselves that they aren't doing something That they shouldn't be doing. Well, living in the gray
0: zone. I mean, I think there is definitely a lot of a lot of the gray zone in in your work. So let's talk about mayor because I have a million questions. Sure. So I want to ask you about the sort of opening first few minutes of of the series. Where God, I have so many thoughts just about the very beginning. But okay, so we see uh, Kate Winslet plays plays mayor of East Town, and we see mayor um, in bed, but we don't see her that clearly. It's sort of dark. She gets a phone call and she's a police officer and she's she's off. And then we see her at the house that's uh, the house that called in something that gets her, the police officer, to the house to respond to this, this situation. And we see her from behind. And it's not until she a few minutes in where Kate Winslet turns fully to the camera, sort of looks and at vapes. the camera <laughs> and then vapes. Exactly.
2: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> exactly. And what I wrote down and I wrote down about then she vapes. and And that's the thing I wanted to ask you about was it seems to me this really intentional way of almost saying to us. Okay. Don't worry. This could be really tough at times, but I'll I'll throw you humor. I'll, I'll <laughs> <laughs> I won't. You'll be able to handle it because there's a lot of, of East town that is really tough to take. It's a very tough story. Oh. It involves the death of a very young woman and some other painful. <laughs> Um, criminal, morally depraved goings on. But it is really laced throughout with an incredible amount of that sort of low-key humor and uh, occasionally laugh out loud. I mean, the character is is difficult and as heavy and intense as she is. She's also quite
2: funny sure (laughs) yeah yeah no that was actually like one of the things that i was the most kind of passionate about making sure that we kind of did was like keep it keep it as funny as we could as uh, whenever we saw the opportunity well for one because like in real life that's how the world everyone's kind of looking to like be laughing and i I, I feel like in a general sense you know yeah and so that felt like naturalism in a way yes, or some version I of co- completely it.
0: Completely agree. Yep.
2: But also because of all the things that you said, like it's it's dark. It could be really dark. I was worried about it being very dark and serious. And I'm boring because of that, because like if you take yourself super seriously, then it starts to feel like, well, I'm glad that this show is so happy that that it's uh, you know, talking about these like Profound things, but it, it it sort of it pushes the audience away or something. I I don't even really know exactly what I mean, but um, ponderous. The pon- Yeah, there you go. You don't ponderous. want it to be ponderous.
0: Yeah, no. Yeah. I I mean I think you guys really achieved the most incredible tone. And I just was thinking when I saw that shot, like, did Craig think to himself, "We have to start our. We have to have our first moment with Mayor B. You know." have that sort of gentle relatable funny you know moment
2: uh, you know i, I can like i want to say that's in the script that she's vaping in mm-hmm. that first scene and uh as much as anything it's like let's give the audience like a big old shot of kate winslet as this character you know like here she is with her hair that is uh you know her die job is growing out and <laughs> right, <I laughs> you know, love her that. whole yeah. thing, you know, it was like here, he, you know, here's who you're like, he, he, you know, the hope being like, you're going to have fun with her the whole time. Right. You know?
0: You're being modest um, though. Cause that's a great, great shot. And it's super intentional. And I know that from having a f- background in filmmaking. So I'm just going to insist that you take credit for the the way that shot is framed, because I can imagine what it's like on the page. And again, no, I think the show is beautifully, beautifully written. So by, was it Brad Inglesby? Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. So huge amount of respect um, for Brad's work. But I want to, I just want to be, give all this credit to you because I'm talking (laughs) to you. And okay, so I want to I'm going to go into another... So something you do pretty soon after that is you have a scene of Mayor talking to her boss at the police station. And the content of the conversation is dark. But again, you have chosen to have a ton of sunlight pouring in through a back window into the office where they're talking. And again... Sure. I'm just thinking Craig is really looking out for us. He's really wanting to protect us in the ways that we've sort of talked about is, is, does that sound right? That's
2: actually, yeah, yeah, no, it actually, it's kind of funny to hear another person like notice some of that because that was for sure. I was also scared of, I was scared of a, you know, Philadelphia, like a, northeastern winter story that would be like all brown and gray like that like was i was like that's not going to help anything and and you know the if there are any references to to mayor they would certainly be like english mini series you know murder mystery sh- shows like you know happy valley or right or Broadchurch or something yeah and i was like You know, we were certainly also in another cold place. (laughs) I was just constantly looking for ways to, like, make sure that it didn't read, that we weren't reinforcing the wrong thing, I guess, with that.
0: Well, it's funny because you think for a second, like, when I was thinking back, I rewatched the whole thing again, by the way, last week. Amazing. And by the way...
2: Is it still good? <laughs>
0: oh, my God. It is so rewatchable. It, That's good. It, it was, I was completely riveted, even though I already knew everything that was going to happen, because the story is so good. The directing is so good. The acting is just astonishing. So, yeah, it was amazing. But it's funny, because one thing I noticed is that it's not desaturated. I almost thought it... I was like, oh, Wow it's not desaturated, like, you know,
2: and... and looking <laughs> your brain, you had desaturated yes, it? <laughs> yes,
0: In my brain, I had somewhat desaturated it, and then I'm watching it, and I'm like, he didn't desaturate it. And one of the other things I noticed in the very beginning is that, that too, we see... Oh, no, now I'm forgetting if it's if it's Siobhan, if it's Mare's daughter, or if it's Aaron, who's wearing purple. But then we see... Uh,
2: I, well, yeah. I both do a different time i think i mean aaron does definitely at the beginning
0: okay aaron and then we we see then we're in the police station and the receptionist has got purple in her shirt so i i noticed that also like i noticed like this gift of sort of color that didn't have to be there and i just it was sort of like super aware of yeah again like the choice to, to have color and to to let in a lot of light. And it's true that, for sure, that scene after the sunlight in the office, we do go to that scene with Erin and her dad, which is a tough scene. So I feel like they're just so well balanced. Right. And I it seems to me like that's the whole show, right? Is that sort of back and forth between...
2: Yeah, it's like how do we like not make sure that it just goes down in? A, I mean, that, some of that was editorial too. It was like, do we need to move stuff around in order to make it not feel? I, I just didn't want it to feel ponderous, like you said. Right. Like I I, 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 you know, I. I've been thinking a bunch recently, honestly, about um, the way murder mysteries work, uh, mm-hmm. which is like this is actually the second one I've I've done in a in a row. Kind of, uh, I also did this uh, thing that's called One Dollar, which was a, a limited series on. I did it for CBS All Access, but now that has turned into Paramount Plus, and it's also a, uh, a a detective story. You know, there's a lot of things that like are interesting about a detective story that aren't. I don't think are kind of like, well, there's just there's rules to them that you have to make sure that you kind of obey because if you don't, then everybody will be frustrated that the show didn't give them those things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, it, it, with that structure, I guess, comes this like, uh, like, it was like I knew that we kind of were on s- some sort of safe ground because we were like, okay, well, we're about to have a bit, you know, in five minutes of the story, there will be a big dramatic turn, uh, so th- th- then it's about just making sure that it that it felt fu- like a fun place to live. Right. I guess, yes. In the middle of no.
0: That? No. Totally. Absolutely. No. I think that I think that I think that's exactly what it's like, and you sort of can't believe that it doesn't feel punishing in the way. Look, I think Happy Valley is a brilliant show. I love that show, and same with Broadchurch, and I watch a lot of those tough sort of mm-hmm. European murder mystery, or they're not always mysteries. But anyway, dramas. And there's no question that this, I mean, I think that Mare is the most beautiful and successful example of something that has that gravitas and is talking about things. These shows that I just mentioned that you mentioned earlier are are really they're not gratuitous about violence. They're really talking about societal issues. Sure. You know, I don't watch stuff that's just, let's just have a dead naked woman here because it's titillating or whatever. I, I'm not in on that. In fact, they have very strong negative feelings about that. But I am very interested in shows that intelligently talk about... I mean, what's amazing about Mayor's Mayor of Easttown is really a family drama and it's really right. <laughs> you know number one and it's right. and it's also really about i think about addiction and mental illness you know and and depression yeah. and and so yeah. there are all these other incredible things you know the murder mystery is the trojan horse i think
2: um, yeah for sure i always said that on on set i would always be like we're telling a story about grief right uh, How That's grief right. Can- yeah get in the way of 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 a person's life if they don't take care of it but that would be a tv show i'd never want to watch right <laughs> even right. if it did have kate was if it was just that you right, know what i mean so right. it's like like the murder mystery is the part that makes it still it's the propulsive
0: part right yeah, it's the propulsive it has to
2: be fun and it right. has to be a rewarding murder mystery right you know but if you do that right, then maybe there's room, especially as a television show. Look, that's what's so cool compared to a movie. The movie version of Mayor would have, you know, a lot less of that because it would just not have the room, you know. No, no, Mayor um, of
0: Easton is a movie. I insist that that's what it is.
2: Well, it's just a very long. It's a long it, it's movie. Like yeah, a long one. Yeah.
0: Um, let <laughs> yeah. let's talk about developing visual language because I think our the audience that listens to this show will be there's a lot of crossover. So one thing that jumped out at me the second time when I was watching last week was, I mean, a lot jumped out at me, but I'm just going to give one example, is there's a scene between Mayor's daughter and her new friend who she winds up in a short relationship with a young woman who works at the radio station at Mm the liberal arts school that's supposed to be, I don't know, Bryn Mawr or whatever it's supposed to be. And there's this lovely scene between them. I think it's the second time they meet when Siobhan goes back, back Mm -hmm. back to the radio station, where the camera starts floating around. I don't know if you even remember this, but the camera has this really, it's a very sweet scene between these two young women.
2: Is this when they're sitting where she's in the radio station hanging out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's all pretty much one shot. Right, it's one shot. a a good chunk of it, yeah.
0: And the camera's really floating in a way it really doesn't with other characters. And, like, so the camera is, the, the work the camera's doing is extremely gentle and really fits the mood of the scene. I just wonder if you could talk about developing the visual language for not just the show in general, but for the different characters and different scenarios? Yeah,
2: but that's an interesting question, actually, in the in the specifics of Mare, because um a lot of the development of the like grammar, film grammar of it was kind of found was was actually an active attempt on my part to like be a little bit more loose Mm -hmm. like when i do like a film or something i i like try to i feel like it's well for one it's the way that you can you know make your day as as they say get all of the stuff shot in the time you need it shot in um is to be like you know pretty specific about all of the shots that you need and and i like do overheads and draw things on adobe illustrator and get like real your, your nerdy
0: storyboarding
2: both storyboarding and and what i would call like uh, sometimes people call them overheads sometimes people call them mud maps or just like a kind of a where i have a the production designer will give me an image uh, an over like a whatever the set is mm-hmm. like he'll, he'll give like a kind of a map of it. And I will like overlay, like here's where the characters will stand here and mm-hmm. the camera will be here and it'll move over to this place and right, so on and so forth. And I, you know, partly out of time and, and certainly partly after COVID started um, out of time, I stopped doing that as much on mayor. So I would have a shot list of all of the things that I knew and kind of a, a gist, like you said a, a, a gist of like what the tone of the scene is and who the people in it are but to a degree we were trying to be unfussy about about c- camera moves and stuff like that and, and so like there's a bunch of scenes that are in the show that are fairly standard in terms of you know there's a close-up and a close-up and a two-shot and a Mm -hmm. wide shot and you know and and we had kind of started that way but like when you shoot something for 120 days and and ben richardson the dp and i got to know each other's tastes really well and and kind of meshed pretty well um and so we after a while like you do that for two weeks and you're like you just get kind of like restless (laughs) you know like Mm -hmm. you're like how do i tell the story differently um so I would say that, like that, the scene that you're mentioning actually was shot quite late in the story or in the in the shooting schedule, and by then we had developed and kind of found things that we were like, this is our show does this our show our show sometimes tells you stories like this, And, and and like I would say that the that camera move is reminiscent to I mean I can think of specific like other scenes where it's like that camera move is reminiscent to there's a a scene in episode three of the show where mayor has to tell siobhan and helen uh, her her daughter and mother that she's been let go from the force so she calls a family meeting mm-hmm, which, which is like, great yeah a, and like that was a that was kind of a thing we did on the day you know it was that that was a, a scene that was written actually as just like mayor comes in and and says we need to have a family meeting and then cut to something else uh, originally mm-hmm. um and then we would cut back kind of after she had told after she had confessed mm-hmm. which is actually really good writing i would want to say to brad like that that is the right way to do it it's like the audience already knows all that information right, we exact, don't have right. to watch them do that right. again but because of of script changes and things that were like happening with other characters and th- whatnot it sort of ended up where those two scenes were back to back. And then it was all of a sudden it was like, well, do we even need her to call a family meeting? I mean, can, should we just start with them at the dinner table? Like, do we need this anymore? And and I started being like, actually, but we had already scheduled the time to shoot it. And so I was like, actually, this is kind of great because we can do something a little fun here. And like, I don't think that, Marianne Sheehan has probably ever said the words family meeting before so why don't we make it funny Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden like all of the departments are kind of involved and you know I'm like asking the props department what can little Drew the little boy be playing with at the very beginning of the shot so that we can start a shot with him doing something interesting and then have her come in and interrupt it. And and we basically kind of... Me and Kate kind of made up this little thing and and, and with... Basically, like, everybody kind of, like, chipping in and being like, oh, this is funny. That could be funny if I do this and if we do that. And then, you know, I basically turned to Ben and I was like, can we do it in one shot? And, um, and then he's, he sort of helped me, you know, kind of figure out where the camera would need to move in order to tell that whole story in one shot. And it, so, it's, it starts, you know, with, like, little Drew digging uh into his cereal with a with a you know ex- excavator like mm-hmm. a, a, a tool, <laughs> and the, which was actually you know it was iggy the it was ziggy's idea um so so he's doing that and then she comes in and sends him away. She turns to Siobhan and says, we're gonna have a family meeting. Siobhan's like doing homework in this other room, which, which actually was also like, we needed to kind of like show people that that room existed mm-hmm. because we had never been in that room before. And it's like, oh, Siobhan's over here at, at the, in the dining room table, you know? And, and she's like, what's a family meeting? And then it's like, okay, then we'll have Helen walking by with, you know, clothes to take down to the laundry. And she's like, what the hell's a family meeting? And then like end it with Kate, you know, going to the refrigerator and immediately grabbing a nice cold rolling rock. Yeah, the ubiquitous
0: beer. Yeah,
2: (laughs) Exactly. And downing one of those before she tells the story. You know, so it was like that kind of came out of just being on set and us having enough time um, uh, by accident. And then it became a a tool that like at times we're like we should this is a time that we can use this floating camera technique and like move it around. So we kind of didn't necessarily start with a bunch of prescribed grammar. Right. But over the course of the shooting, it was like, our show does this too. We do this in the show. Then it started to become a a quiver, you know, like of, of different shots or techniques to be like, oh, maybe this is the time that we get to do that thing.
0: You know, one thing you just mentioned was seeing a room that we hadn't seen before. And one other thing. I want to say makes a, a huge difference to the audience or sort of speaking for myself that I noticed with this show is you are the master of the establishing shot. I I feel like you're so good at the sort of wide. Here's where you are. You know, I never yeah. felt lost. I mean, were you sort <laughs> of aware of that, like being really, really good about giving us a lot. I mean, first of all, You and Ben Richardson?
2: Yeah, Ben. Uh
0: You know, this this show, I just want to say, is just spectacular looking. And so I'm sure it was just sort of like a goodie bag, like wanting to shoot all these really dramatic and beautiful, beautiful in a tough sort of down and out town, of course. But these shots are really, really beautiful. So I'm sure there was some fun in that. But were you guys thinking like... You know, really aware of wanting to be generous with the establishing shots and make sure we always had a really good sense of so it would be like wide, medium, in close. Like, the it was... kind of
2: establishing shot that makes me very kind of nervous and feels sort of old to me As the and we do it a couple of times, but is the like, here's a shot of a house, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like it's a shortcut that was like used by. Frankly, it was used by, you know, it's like everybody can think of, of the Seinfeld, the like coffee shop exterior right. Seinfeld. right. Great right? example. You, yeah. you know, like that's the first one that pops in my head. But you do kind of need to know where, where you are. I, I, I guess like to, to answer your question. Yeah, it always it bugs me when I when I'm lost in other people's yes. stories. So yep. I am thinking about it a lot, I guess, is the answer. Well, yeah, you did it in definitely. a way that
0: flowed so well. So it never had that Seinfeldy or friends or whatever. It never had that feeling because because you would do it in a way that was like punchy. It would be like this street, this corner, this thing. Right. Like, no, it it was poetic. I, I don't know how to explain. I wish I had the language to really explain what I mean. And people just need to see the show if they haven't. But it flowed in such a way that felt, even though it helped us know where we were, it felt like a visual gift. Does that make sense? You know, so. it's
2: funny. Like the thing, it, the thing that we talked about a bunch. That I, I actually would have forgotten this if if you hadn't been bringing this up. But we definitely like there was a big conversation, a lot of conversation about how to make sure that we were selling the location. Mm-hmm. You know, like that we were telling the story that it would be Philadelphia, and then it would like look. And it's it's particularly hard to do that when you're not doing like the Seinfeld or friends establishing shot shots. Yep. So it was about like, well, what is our, you know, what is something? He, all right. Well, here we have this, uh, this new scene and or this new location we've never been to say, what do we do in order to like show that this is 40 minutes outside of Philadelphia? Like how, how do we, and that was always a conversation actually with production design and with, you know, locations and with Ben uh, and myself Uh, of just like what we only have a few opportunities to kind of really like explain like what this is that aren't just there for window dressing that are that are actually still like what you're doing is watching mayor walk over to somebody and start asking them a question but it's in enough of a wide shot that you're like oh okay like like this is the kind of houses that these people live in or whatever you know whatever that is that was a conversation we were having a bunch do, for sure. Does
0: it help when you have someone, I mean, I'm sure this is sort of rhetorical, but does it help when you have someone as absolutely captivating as Kate Winslet to, I mean, <laughs> yes. because you would watch Everything her do anything, right? I mean, yes. like she's so, her physicality in this show is incredible. You know, after she jumps over the fence when she's chasing Freddie and she sprains her ankle and then she's sort of hobbling around for the whole rest of that part of the episode, Uh it's just totally like, it's like a drug. You just want to watch Kate Winslet hobble around. I mean, it's just like so crazy how... Completely captivating, yeah, she's she incredible.
2: is. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> no, 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 nothing else to offer except for yes. On yeah, that one, yeah, for sure.
0: She, she is amazing. I, I don't want to just fawn too she much, really but oh, and then um, I no, just really the great Jean Smart, who plays her mother. We haven't mentioned gene smart of um oh my god I mean, the whole cast is really it, it it's just and even the young people are so great um and i'm sure that they are great and i'm sure that you had a lot to do with making sure their performances were so so spot on but you know what's what, when i you
2: know good to give props to av Kaufman, the the casting director i mean
0: legendary
2: yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> it, now that you've mentioned that name, people can will start seeing it everywhere because it's, yeah, astounding. Yes.
2: She has done a budget. Everything. Yeah.
0: So let me ask you about just a specific visual, another visual decision. There's this just, I mean, I just weep during this, but there's this incredible scene towards the very end of the show where Mare is, she's seeing a therapist. It's not a giving away anything to say that the series deals with, Mare is dealing with the loss of her her son. And yeah. so she's finally sort of made to, to see a therapist and, and confront her feelings that she's been, had bottled up. And when she starts really finally for the first time being honest about her feelings, you go in for this really beautiful close-up, but it's not straight on. She's she's looking off. I think she's looking off up to her right. right and you're shooting her from an angle. So you're looking down at her. So she's, what, camera left, I guess? and Right. And, of course, it's natural when one – because she's recalling something, and it's natural when one recalls something to sort of look off to the side. That's a normal way of getting into your own head. But what is – I just want to know what you're thinking. I think this shot is so oh, – I feel like I'm going to cry. It's such Ooh, a beautiful thank part. Thank you.
2: Now that, that was a big um, – I'll say – so, like, we shot her – We actually also shot her delivering that whole thing directly to the therapist uh, from a very pretty traditional angle as well. And we shot that first. And then we added that shot that you just mentioned because I I felt like on a very practical level, like it's quite a long story. right? And I knew I was gonna kind of interrupt the story with a a flashback at some point. Mm -hmm. But uh, I wanted to be able to like go to like, here's the shot, that's the shot. Uh, so we, I, I'm six foot four, so I'm like always <laughs> taller than someone. Um, so like it's that's a shot that I like find myself doing a bunch, and I always work with uh, DPs that are um, not six four. Um, so it's always been kind of a useful thing, in that I'm like I see that angle all the time, and mm-hmm. they see the more kind of traditional one. But I was like, this is a good time to use this, and and actually, you know, it's like very easy to kind of like tell Kate like instead of looking out the window, like just look this way. And she's like, got it, you know, because she's a pro. She's a great filmmaker. So uh, yeah, we sort of, I, I can't say that there was like a spe- specific reason it's higher other than I just feel like that's maybe kind of a personal, something feels personal about that angle to me. I don't know. I've used it on a bunch of, i now that you know that you'll see it. I mean, <laughs>
0: do you have a sense of it? popping us out, in t- not ruining, not taking us out of the story, but popping us out just enough so that it becomes truly, truly existential and there's a sort of beautific quality to it. I mean, it, it really is, the whole scene is so incredibly moving, but the shot is so moving because it's, oh, well, thank you very it's much. really, it's almost, it is beyond it is beyond the everyday it becomes sort of about something the the word heavenly keeps but it is it's like it's a life or death
2: you know so the funny thing about like the interesting thing in that whole arc was that it's like two people that whole arc meaning like over multiple episodes she goes to this therapist Mm -hmm. and um and a therapist's office is pretty you know static place Mm -hmm. like you always sit in the same place they always sit in the same place it's pretty like the same all the time and other kind of things happen prior that's certainly like that being the biggest revelation and like one of the more important scenes in the in the show but there are other times that she has to kind of open up like you Mm -hmm. know she in a previous episode she is asked a lot of questions by the therapist about her father and her father's issues with mental illness and how her father's issues with mental illness affected her her thoughts when her son started becoming mentally ill and like how she processed that and, and like that scene is all really kind of like a very close close-up on on Kate's face and she's also excellent in that scene because mm-hmm. she is she great. is yeah but um you know, that, that scene is more engaged with another person. Like it's like, right. because yes. somebody is finally pushing her and making her t- like, think about it, that it needs to be on the eyeline of the other person. So that, that, or in my brain, that makes the most sense, you right. know, yep. where I feel like this is her actually like dealing with a thing that she hasn't probably said to anybody before right. yep. and that she probably couldn't say if she looked at, them in the face well
0: right i mean i think the earlier stuff is more grounded and the later scene the, the real sort of breakthrough moment in many ways is more it's the stuff that our most spiritual selves are sort of made of and that's why that angle to me you know mixed with the content felt so right because it's so spiritual it's not. Yeah. It's not just a back and forth. Quite
2: but, an interior moment, essentially, right? It's a. You know? It's
0: a. It's a spiritual breakthrough, really. It's uh The way she's gonna she, she go on with her life. It's like being saved. There's like salvation. I. I anyway, I could. Yeah. I could. Well, go on, but.
2: Well, thank you. No, I, you know that like that kind of stuff is like. I, I do find a lot of fun, and I, I mean, look, this scenes we're hard days, right? Like that's emotional stuff. That's yes. like people crying like, yep. for hours on end yep. and stuff. Um, and, and the kind of thing that like, you don't actually like want to be like laughing and joking around. Cause will like, right. You know, knock the actors out of their headspace and stuff. But on a different level, that stuff is quite fun. Cause we shot every, you know, like the way that movies work, it's like, we shot all of the scenes in the therapist office in like a day and a half. Right. You know? and that was a set actually that's not a a real location that was a that was a that was actually the radio station um repurposed okay oh man (laughs) (laughs) Um, so Ah, the magic
0: uh, of filmmaking yeah
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so the uh the fun of that in my mind was like there being a challenge of saying like all right ben you know like every episode this place has to look different and we can't repeat ourselves in the same shot ever and I don't think we do and and no. like another big thing was like which was a a thing that we did a lot on like say compliance like a space looks different when it's nighttime than when it's daytime so mm-hmm. it's like like changing the lighting radically like over the course of like each episode mm-hmm. you know like uh, by the end like we've got you know like the sun is shining into the like window of the therapist's office because it's the last episode and she's still going to therapy and it's mm-hmm. like a little happier mm-hmm. <laughs> you know which is like oh maybe that's a little cheekily or whatever but like i don't think that people really think of it that like don't draw that line you know uh, it felt like right to be like okay yeah like we'll get it'll get brighter and <laughs> it'll get brighter and more well, sunshine i was is like it...
0: i was crying so it worked for me okay well, let me ask you a few i mean
2: sorry that you're crying, but
0: no no <laughs> <laughs> let me ask you a few tech questions that i think people will appreciate how much is how much are you on a tripod and how much is steadicam and and how, were you guys shooting digitally or on film
2: Definitely digitally. And I have, the last time I shot on film was I, I worked on uh, season two of Westworld, which mm-hmm. was all shot on film. And while I loved it, I realized that I was asking the camera operators to do things and they're like, oh, we we kind of can't because it weighs like 65 pounds. Right. You know, I was like, yep. right, these cameras are so heavy. Yeah. Um. So I'm kind of, I'm a full convert at this point to the digital camera scenario. It was as far as this project was. I would say it was predominantly studio mode, predominantly on a tripod and dolly. Wow. Pretty, pretty predominantly. Like I, I would say, like maybe thirty percent is is Steadicam, maybe less than that, and maybe like five percent is actually handheld, where it's not on a Steadicam, you know, and it's just just on a person's shoulder. Um, so
0: like the, that floating shot I was talking about in the radio station. Is that was that, a dolly. God, wow, really? I'm shocked. Yeah. I didn't think that that was the case.
2: Yeah, Do- dolly on dance floor. So it's not on, not on rails, but like on, uh, you know, we would lay down plywood and then lay down a dance floor so that it could move, you know, the dolly operator could move in a bunch of different directions.
0: Wow, I have to say, I just did not. That's really interesting. And so let me ask you, because I was just reading about Lorraine Scafaria, the filmmaker. Um, she just shot an episode of Succession. And they they shoot on film, or at least she shot, I think they yeah. shoot entirely on film. And she was talking about because the takes are so long, the magazines are huge, which is what you were just talking about. The, the cameras weigh a ton. And then if you're doing long takes, you have to have you know huge magazines and the in the cameras and it's but what what at this point what's the difference like for us the audience watching on a television what would we notice or not how, notice how
2: how to notice yeah i mean uh i think i guess i would say really it's a level of grain honestly I don't um, even know mostly. if
0: I'm noticing grain anymore. But
2: we have fake grain on on, right, uh, okay. on Mayer. Yeah. We like did. A, there's a there's one guy out in California who has like a special algorithm, and like we used his algorithm called Live Grain um, at the end of yeah you know editorial. Yeah. Um, see, I can't tell uh, anymore grain? because of that. Yeah.
0: It's really interesting. I want to be a film proponent when it comes in general. I do. I'm just predisposed do to want to be a film sound proponent. Like a, but,
2: yeah, right.
0: But how can we if Mayer looked so gorgeous and looks like it's shot on what you think of as looking like film? So I guess it just doesn't yeah, matter. I,
2: there's. It is just like, I, I, I think it's funny. Like, I, I would be curious, like, you know, especially with your audience of like, I, I certainly think that like film f- still photography is still like, I don't know like there's something so special about that Uh, that also has to do with practice it's like it's more rare so it's more important that you kind of choose when you press the button Mm -hmm. instead of just you know what I mean like that kind of stuff yeah I have to say like for filmmaking for the narrative side of it like the ability to have more than one camera um which you can do with film as well uh, uh, obviously but like it gets more complicated with film the the ability to have two cameras in a scene at, at any given time and always be using two cameras gives you such a freedom with like performance and like the like dramaturgy part of making a movie that i i can't i can't say that i miss it i really don't And like I said, and it makes it harder to move the camera around. (laughs) And now there's been so few things shot on film. This is another funny thing that's like starting to be a case, especially with with film and television, with motion pictures, is that like the guys that knew how to do all of that stuff are now in higher positions and are not like loading cameras anymore. So like we would have issues with film jams and stuff a lot more in my most recent experience, then I did, you know, and I'm 45. And so, like, when I first started, everything still shot on film because you couldn't, yep. many, you know, there was... I remember those days. HD didn't really exist that well. So, the, and and nobody was, like... You know not a real movie, a real movie doesn 't shoot on hD back in those days, so like like fifteen eighteen years ago, people knew how to load the cameras like really well, and kind of like there was a thing that in some ways some of that stuff is is lost, and in some ways like these cameras aren 't getting used as much, and so like it was just a different experience. I, I, I was I was quite um, surprised myself as a person who wants to be a proponent of film too to realize that I I think I'm I'm okay. Sometimes I, I, like I think about
0: my my early days filmmaking when I literally would sit cutting film. And
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the hardest, like, the, like thank God that the, all those tools are invented.
0: <laughs> Remember those days? People don't even, who aren't in this business, don't even know what it was like. Like, half the time, you'd have half your movie wrapped around your neck. Like, you would just be like, okay, that scene is wrapped around my neck, and I've got this scene um, on... Balancing off my right leg. I mean, I did once step on a piece of film, so <laughs> that was a disaster. Yeah. But um, and you'd literally, you know, sit there, make a cut and tape things together. Paper. I mean, it was
2: yeah. Like, so. yeah.
0: But it was fun.
2: Yeah. Uh, again, like there's a level of that. Like I found that editors that come from that experience have a different brain like it's a little Mm -hmm. bit like what I was saying about like the still photography and like making the choice to take the photo or make the photograph like there is some level where that like is kind of useful but then on the other side it's like new skills get developed with the new technology right of course absolutely yeah. yeah
0: so what are you working on um now
2: uh so now I I ha- essentially um have because it had been a very long time of me being kind of back to back on on projects yep. on set I am uh I'm working on well, I'm working on on a couple of things I'm I'm working on a new TV show idea with a, another collaborator that would be kind of co-writing that is a a detective story so that's kind of why I've been thinking about murder mysteries yep. so, so so much that would be like a, a another you know limited series for hBO uh, if they're into it and 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 like what i'm I'm cooking up and then I have a uh, feature script which I'm doing with uh actually my super old collaborator, one of the home star runner guys Matt Chapman, and I are writing for Miramax uh, are writing a science fiction like basically a science fiction movie um, that Fun. is has been quite fun and is quite different than the things I've been doing. So, yeah.
0: Wow. Exciting. Yeah. Well, God, I mean, I have so many, my notebook is filled with questions, but I, I try and stay under an hour and we've blown past the hour mark. So, um, <laughs> just let you go and, and wrap up. But thank you so much, Craig. It, it's really uh, been thank, so thank fun talking with me. you and I'm, I'm, maybe you'll come back on after the next uh, project and I can... Pick your brain again. Absolutely. Get answers to all, all my burning so. questions. All right. Well, thank you so much, and and be well. Right. And we'll we'll talk thank you, again. S-
2: Sasha. Okay. All Thanks. right. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye.
1: Photo work with Sasha Wolf is produced by me, Michael Chovan Dalton of Real Photo Show. The executive producer is Sasha Wolf, and our theme music is by Jay Walter Hawks. You can hear Photowork on all your favorite podcast platforms. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, and be sure to subscribe on any one of those services or wherever you listen to podcasts.